everybody, which is what I say every week because I don't know how else to introduce a podcast. Welcome back to the Association NBA Podcast. Thank you for joining us on yet another edition of our 2018-19 season preview. My name is Sam Ruthier. Joining me over the interwebs in his NASA t-shirt is Tommy Wood. Tommy, good evening to you, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Sam. It's good to uh, finally move on to an exciting division and one that's way less depressing than the Southeast. I couldn't agree Thank more. I got I was just talking to someone not a, an hour and a half ago who has listened to an occasional episode of our podcast who I work with. And he was like, what division did you guys do last time again? And I was like, the Southeast. It was, uh, it was a slog. I mean, we had fun with it. There were... We were the right people to talk about it. The bottom of the rosters had some interesting guys. But, uh, yeah, that one was tough. But today, we will have no such difficulties because we are in one of the most interesting divisions in the NBA. And the division that features the uh, presumptive favorite and winner of three of the last four NBA titles, Golden State Warriors, it is the Pacific Division in the Western Conference. Um Featuring not just Golden State, but both L.A. teams, Clippers and Lakers, Sacramento Kings, and Phoenix Suns. Um, as you've taken a look at this division the last couple of weeks, Tommy, what uh, does anything immediately jump out to you about how this division is set up? I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense with the California teams in Phoenix, but anything interesting to you about where all these teams are and their respective uh, uh, paths to the championship right now? Yeah, I think there's a pretty clear hierarchy where you have the Warriors on top, um, and then a pretty big cliff before you get to the Lakers in second. Um, I would probably have the Clippers, you know, beyond that with maybe a fringe shot at the eighth seed if everything breaks right. Um, but I could also see them falling off a cliff so hard and being surpassed by, uh, by Phoenix if things go well for them. They have kind of a wide band this year as far as I can see it. And then Sacramento is probably going to be the worst team in the West. Wow. There, there it is right there, folks. He, he wastes no time just laying waste to the top and bottom of the conference simultaneously and really just the bottom. Um, I look forward to talking about Sacramento. I could, oh, not, we'll have fun. I could not believe, and I should be saving this for the team preview, but I just can't wait. I could not believe when I was writing down the Sacramento, like I, I split them into guards, wings, and bigs, which doesn't always work. Some guys are in-betweeners, but like, with Sacramento, I just like almost ran out of page room with just guards. They just have a and huge, centers too. They have a huge backcourt. Yeah, it's either a bunch of dudes in the backcourt or a bunch of huge dudes who can only play center, who like couldn't yeah. even moonlight a power forward, who need to be a center. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I, maybe 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 three. Uh, Scott Labissiere <laughs> can certainly play power forward, but Willie Cauley Stein can only play center. But we'll get there. We uh we should we should start with we we deserve it. We need to treat ourselves. Uh, with the toast of the NBA, the, the <laughs> toast of the 21st century in the NBA, um, the defending champs, the team that is not just top-heavy, but pretty middle-heavy as well, and don't look too shabby on the bottom either. The uh, Golden State Warriors, you just said you picked them as your division champ. Uh, I choose them as well. Um, my rankings mirror yours, so there was no need for me to dive into that too deeply. Although I don't think the morass between the Lakers and the Clippers is as, as wide as you do. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, but we're going to start with Golden State because they are the cream of the crop. And 
this roster looks pretty similar to last year's roster. I mean, I, I, I guess there's been a little bit of change, I say snarkily and smartassily, because, of course, they brought in one of the most devastating big men in the league, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, geez, it, it, it kind of just hits you every time you say it out loud, not unlike when KD joined the team a couple summers ago, you know? But uh, DeMarcus Cousins is a Golden State Warrior for this year, at least, coming off an Achilles tear. Uh, he won't be back until sometime in the winter, but when he comes back, my goodness, will they have a top five to deal with, and we've been saying that for the last couple of years anyway, but now they have him. So, I mean, there's fringe additions as well. Jonas Jarebko, um, they drafted Jacob Evans, and they brought in Tyler Eulis, which, good for him. He's on the Warriors, he'll probably get a ring, but uh, I don't know. what What is there to expect out of the Warriors this year after they've reached the mountaintop so many times, Tommy? Um, I think it's a lot of the same. I think you have to expect them to, you know, win the championship until proven otherwise. And I don't think things will look uh, drastically differently. Um, you know, they're definitely going to have, a, I think, a little more athleticism at the starting center because it's either going to be uh, uh, Looney or uh, Jordan Bell, who mm-hmm. I hope gets the job. Um, when Boogie comes back, that could be a game changer or it could be a non-factor. That's the question like i would love for boogie to come back and just wreck shit like he used to um but i think that's probably unlikely um but even if he he comes back at you know 80 percent of what he was that's still a very productive player still the best center the warriors have had in a long time and even if he doesn't play crunch time um you know in those you know random random minutes in the second quarter of a playoff series where you just your offense isn't working because your opponent is switching everything and you, you need someone in to just bully dudes on a switch and get buckets, uh, you know, that might win you a playoff game. And already they're in a position to possibly go 16-0 and in the playoffs. So literally he's just something that could help them go undefeated in the playoffs. Like it's not even like you need him to win a playoff series. You need him to win – Game four when you're on the road and this team's hoping for a gentleman sweep because you're up 3 nothing. Um, you know, unless Houston really brings the heat, like who else is going to get yeah. in the way? No, that, that's a... Like a slight step back this year from especially Iguodala, but also Sean Livingston. Yeah. And, um, you know, those guys, for especially Iguodala's take has kind of, you know, really laid off in the regular season. Uh, but then shown up in the playoffs and been an incredibly important player. But um, if they're not able to really turn it on when they need to, as they have in the past, uh, I think that could hurt this team. But not not to the point where I think they're going to lose, um, at least before the finals. Um, but you know, I don't I don't think they're invincible. I mean, we saw it last year they were you know trailing at halftime of Game Seven of the conference finals. So it you know I, I they're not. Uh, you know, sure champions, but you still have to call them a favorite. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, we've learned by now. You just call them a favorite, like you said, until proven otherwise. They're the presumptive champion, they're the presumptive favorite. Um, I think it may be useful. I mean, obviously, whoever has bothered to actually listen to our podcast today knows the guys, you know, knows who's on the Warriors, all the way down to who you just mentioned, Iguodala and Livingston, regression candidates. No Steph, knows Clay, Draymond, KD. But um, I think it may just be useful for us looking at this team this year and beyond to real quick just run through the guys in layman's terms. Just kind of 
take a look at all those, you know, key warriors, and it's like, what is this guy? What does he do? And what does he bring to the table? And how does this Warriors team build? Um, if that makes sense. So just starting, you know, I'll give one, and then from there we'll kind of bounce around. But Steph Curry, who is he? You know, he's he's a guard, obviously, two-time MVP. But what does he bring to the table? Well, obviously, he has the most deadly three-point shooting in league history. He also has extremely good handles. So not only is he giving you range, he's also setting up other players to score easily, um, but he's a liability on defense. In a nutshell, that's who he is. Now, playing off that on the other end of the backcourt is Clay Thompson. Now, who is he? I'll pass it off to you. How does he play off Steph? What does he bring to the table, and has that changed at all in the last few years as these guys have continuously been at the peak of the mountain and really seemingly at the peak of their skills? Yeah, I think Clay, to be honest, is a pretty underrated player. Um, he's one of my absolute favorite players to watch in the league, and I don't think he gets enough credit. It's impossible to set, to evaluate him and Steph separately because all of their success has been with each other. Um, but a lot of the times the narrative around them is you hear about how Steph makes things easier for Clay. I don't think we talk enough about how Clay's uh, elite shooting, his ability to shoot in any situation with any type of co- contest, uh, how that makes things easier for Steph and for everyone else. No doubt. Uh, I think his movement off the ball, his ability to create his own shot, not with the ball in his hands, just by moving and navigating screens, um, that not only creates shots for, for him, but it creates shots for his teammates because you always he's always running around and defenses always have to be focused on him. Um, it's kind of a, a, a unique type of shot creation that you don't really see many other guys uh, do because nobody moves around like him or can shoot like him. And then you add his his defense on top of that. He's an elite uh, wing defender who can guard you know three or four positions. So you know he's a really he, he's invaluable. And I think they're really lucky that he's such a chill dude and that he likes it there so much because I think it'd be really easy for him to you know if he had a different personality to want to leave and and try to see if he could run the show somewhere else. Uh, but instead, you have him coming out and saying that he doesn't even want to be a free agent. So. You know the Warriors are lucky that that they have that because I think I think a team with Clay Thompson as its best player could you know I think that's a playoff team if he's your number one option I really do I think he's that good. You know the thing with him saying he doesn't want to be a free agent and like you know it seems that there will be no drama he just because signs with whatever deal he's able to sign with the Warriors it takes away the chance to imagine what a Clay Thompson led team would look like. Because, as you mentioned, that persona he has, just the go with the flow, chill, easygoing, whatever it is, it's fine, fits so well with the Warriors, but what would that be like at the top of the Knicks or the Pacers or whatever, Dallas, whatever team he would sign with, you know? What kind of players would you need to put around him? Would he become more ball-dominant because that's what you expect out of the best player on your team? Or could he remain a guy who can score 60 points on 11 dribbles? Um, it, it, the comparison that comes to mind for me immediately is, is Ray Allen, but even then, Ray Allen with the Sonics and Bucks was fairly ball-dominant. I mean, this is the, the ISO-Kobe era, you know? Um, so, I don't know. We, we won't spend too much time on it, but it's just interesting to think, like, Clay's probably going to be a warrior forever. We're probably never going to see this, but how would he change without Steph? Like you say, you can never really talk about one guy without the other. We've never seen Clay without Steph, so we don't know what he would yeah. look like. But I mean, it, when, I like, 
I like to imagine like prime Reggie Miller, but yeah. a little bit better. Um, you know, just kind of the yeah. way Miller was able to, you know, be a leading a lead scorer on a team without you know having that like elite uh, ability to create off the dribble. Um, and I, I think plays a better shooter than Reggie was. So I, you know, I, th- that that's always what I imagine. But again, we'll probably never see it. Yeah, so. I mean, Re- prime Reggie Miller still had guys like Jalen Rose in his prime. Um, yeah, you know, playing really well off them. Uh, Mark but, Jackson too. Yeah, Mark Jackson, excellent point. Um, yeah, but but moving on, just because we can't gush about the Warriors forever. Uh, of course, we talk about those two guys, but then you got probably the best player on the team, Kevin Durant. Some folks look at him as a dark horse MVP candidate this season. Uh, he's one of the best pure scorers the NBA has seen ever, um, certainly in this decade. And he comes in here now having accomplished the goals you presume he came here to do, play a great brand of basketball, win a couple of championships, win a couple of finals MVPs. Um, do things evolve for him? Does he keep doing more of the same? Do we see him kind of push to control more to kind of make that MVP run, although he would never say that and they would never admit that, you know, are we going to see Durant try to take more control or is he content like Clay and Steph and presumably everybody else to keep things the way they are? I mean, I, I think kind of at an as needed uh, basis, you know, he, one of the reasons he came here is because he liked the way they played and certainly they've, they've had to adapt to him, but I think the way he's been able to fit in uh, with their ecosystem has worked really well. He averaged a career high in assists last year. Um, and, you know, he's never been the most natural or gifted passer. But I, I do think we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen improvement in his passing since he got to Golden State. He, you know, he makes reads off the dribble and, and in the post that, you know, you didn't really see in OKC. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that they may have to lean on him a little bit more in the regular season than in past years. Um, you know, if Steph gets hurt again, uh, which I think is more than likely at this point, um, or just if, you know, the the offense isn't working or, you know, you know, they're doing strategic rest. Yeah. I think, you know, that's kind of the luxury that you have when you have Kevin Durant and you're the golden state warriors is that you can shift that style, uh, however you want. Um, it's, kind of it's it's ridiculous honestly it's really not fair um and we've actually even heard as much from adam silver that he wished that the cap didn't get to a point where this was possible but here we are um and it is sure as hell entertaining to watch even if it's not exactly fair um there's still you know there's hope as was unleashed today by nbc sports boston there is the oh shit what they call them the Celtics starting five. They had a name for them. I don't even remember. It wasn't that good. <laughs> Here it is. The Newport Five. Because last last uh, training camp, they went to Newport for training camp, Rhode Island. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not quite as bougie as the Hamptons. It's not good. Uh, yeah. I don't – it doesn't, doesn't work. How about just the five best players on the team? Let's just call them that. <laughs> The five, because you know exactly who they are. The five best players in the Celtics. I don't even have to say it. Like, and they are in theory like a really good. Besides Kyrie, everybody's six seven or taller, but really good defensively and can switch. Really volatile to offensively. All five players have three point range. Like, so it's a good lineup in theory, but really, yeah, 
It, I mean, just yeah, call him the Lucky Charms. I don't know. Oh, T Bone, the Lucky like, Charms. <laughs> I'm in on it. Oh my God. Okay, quick side story. This morning, um, Turner Sports. I don't know if I'm even allowed, I'm even allowed to say this, but it doesn't matter. Um, Turner Sports contacted Harpoon Brewery. They wanted to talk to some people who work at the brewery about the Celtics. So I went in this morning and got interviewed by Turner Sports about Celtics. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. They they had all the they you know they sent me up with the camera. What kind and of shit. questions were they asking? And so I mean some of it was was like the what does this team mean to the city of Boston and <laughs> like you know and that that, that, that they, you know they blah, they, blah, blah. they mirror the identity yeah. of the city they they're gritty and hardworking. But, you know, they were like, who's your favorite player? And I wasn't even sure what I was going to say until I was sitting there. And then I was like, Marcus Smart. And then I was like, fuck yeah, Marcus Smart. That's, uh, that's such a Boston answer. Right? Um, and then they were like, what what makes Kyrie Irving such a special player? Things like that. Um, and then I surprised myself. They were like, what do you expect out of the Celtics this year? And I, I don't even have to ask you, but what do you think I said? Title. NBA championship. <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> and I and then I and then I doubled down. And then they were like, "Why do you think the Celtics will win the East?" And I went straight for, "I don't just think they're winning the East. I think they're winning the NBA championship." <laughs> I doubled down. <laughs> oh man, it could happen. It it really could happen. Hey, man, after the Warriors, I'd say they're probably the team with the second-best odds, depending how you feel about Toronto. Yeah, yeah, they'd be right up there with second or third best. Yeah, so uh, they're worst bets to make. It's not like I'm um, uh, talking to Turner Sports about the Orlando Magic saying, uh, yeah, <laughs> Southeast Division champs. <laughs> Book it. <laughs> 33 wins. <laughs> Fourth pick in the draft. Book it. <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, record. Okay, before we continue, I'm about to, to crack a brewski for the pod. This is the Brewery Vivant Hopfield Farmhouse IPA. Last time I had it, I fucking hated it. Ooh. Well, hopefully this time's a little less shitty. Yep, I bought. I went ahead and bought the mix pack. Their mix pack is nine 16-ounce cans, but they make it very clear on the packaging that nine 16-ounce cans is equal to 12 12-ounce bottles. Oh, well, okay then. It's like it's it's on every single face of the box. It's like, no, 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 wow. trust us. Sounds like they have a complex about that. They, they clearly do. Um, I mean, 16-ounce cans are just the way beer, honestly, should be delivered because it's a fucking pint. Boom. And it's as tall as a 12-ounce bottle, and it takes the same amount of room in your fridge. So we should all just get 16-ounce cans and move on with our lives and drink a whole pint at home because those extra four ounces are four extra ounces of delicious beer. But let's get back to basketball. Uh, <laughs> rounding out the Golden State roster, Iguodala, another year older, another year possibly injury-averse and probably will be coddled through the regular season. Sean Livingston, you mentioned Kevon Looney and Jordan Bell, which will be an interesting case in the front court before we get to Marcus Cousins back and perhaps afterward. Um, and then besides that, it's just kind of guys rounding out the roster. Jonas Jarebko, obviously, I have a soft spot for. But uh, Tyler Ulis, I mentioned earlier, Quinn Cook still on the team, could get some minutes. 
And then you're talking Damian Jones and Dan Wallhouse, who I, I, I couldn't even tell you the fucking – I couldn't even pick them apart in a lineup if you put them next to each other. So any last thoughts on the Warriors roster, Tommy? Um, no, I, I mean, I think we've said about everything uh, there is to say. And, the, you know, the Lakers are kind of interesting too. Kinda. They are. You want to talk about them next? <laughs> yeah, we we probably should. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Um, how about you take the lead on this? I feel like I always just take the lead and talk for ten minutes, and then I let you say two things. So go ahead, break down the Lakers for us, Debon. I mean, so my first thought about the Lakers is that uh, all the consternation about the uh, you know the meme team is a little overblown. I don't think it's going to be. A problem that uh, people necessarily think it's going to be. Uh, I think this team has a pretty defined hierarchy. Of, um, I mean, I think you're going to have LeBron and the youngsters starting because they're those are obviously the best players. Yeah. And the meme team will come off the bench and maybe sometimes they'll play together. Um, but I think that's how it's going to be. And I, I, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think there's going to be a lot of drama. Um, at least in terms of uh, who gets what role. Who do you think is more likely to be an issue? JaVale McGee, Michael Beasley, Rajon Rondo, or Lonzo Ball? No, just kidding. Uh, whoever the guy, whoever I didn't say was. Uh, Lance or- Stevenson. Um, Rondo, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, definitely. I, I think, you know, Beasley and uh, McGee, they're, they're eccentric, but they're not problems. They're not assholes. Rondo's an asshole, and that's like kind of well documented. Um, and some guys love playing with him, and he's some guys love his leadership style and his no bullshit attitude, and some guys really don't. And uh, you know, Anthony, it's I can see why you know Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins like him. I don't know how Ingram and Kuzma and Lonzo Ball will respond to that. You know, I could see. I could see him vibing well with LeBron because I think they have kind of the same mindset, and that's really what matters. Um, but I can definitely see some friction there between him and the youngsters. I totally could imagine, you know, Rondo showing up at practice and Lonzo's doing something one way, and Rondo's like, no, 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 no. you want to do it this way. Like, this is how you do the fake one-handed behind-the-back pass. And then Lonzo's like, all right, dude, fuck you. And next thing you know, his dad's bitching about Rondo on first take. <laughs> and Lonzo finally figures out how to use his dad, and it's to bitch out Rondo. Um, you know, you mentioned that there's a clear starting lineup and there's the, the clear bench unit, which has a lot of personalities, but you're right. Most of them aren't really going to get in the way too much. Um, I do have one question, though, and that's what are we to do with Contavious Caldwell-Pope? I feel like he's kind of between two worlds here. Um is he a starter? Where does he fit with the backcourt? Um, what's his What's his future in Los Angeles? <laughs> I wouldn't start him. Uh, I would start Josh Hart, but I think they're going to start KCP yeah. um, because he's repped by LeBron's agency. So I, I think that's you know that's what got him paid there last year. That's what most likely brought him back this year. Although I think you know let, uh, if you're looking on like NBA Reddit or uh, NBA Twitter Lakers fans just were apoplectic about KCP. They hated him. Yeah. I think he's actually a pretty good player. Me too. Um, the, you know the one the one thing about him is he just needs to if he refined his shot selection a little bit. I think he'd be far more effective. Um, 
But uh, and that's that's why I would start Josh Hart right now, just because I think he plays within himself offensively a little bit more. But uh, you know, KCP is a nasty defender of ones and twos, and uh, you know, although he does take some bad shots sometimes, he still shoots a pretty high percentage from downtown. Um, so it's not you know crazy to start him. No, and I, I, I bet they come out of the gate with him. It's probably going to be Lonzo, KCP, Ingram, LeBron, and... JaVale, right? JaVale, like, probably, unless you really want to just go Mo Wagner from the get-go, but I don't think they do. I don't think he's ready. I think they, they need another center. Yeah. Um, I think they want to play LeBron at center, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe not with all closing lineups. I just don't think that's a sustainable one you can work into your rotation for a regular season. I think that's a playoff lineup. Probably their best lineup is all the young guys with LeBron at center, you know, uh, Lonzo, KCP, Ingram, Kuzma, LeBron. Um, you, so you think KCP closes over Hart? Uh, KCP or Hart yeah. is, I, you know, whoever's playing better. Um, but, yeah, they need another center just for uh, the regular season just to, to fill out minutes because I don't know if – Mo Wagner or um, Evita Zubac are ready. I think Zubac is. I think this is a make or break year for Zubac because at this point it's his it's his third year in the league. Um, yeah, he needs to show that he can played. play minutes. Um, I could so yeah, I can see them getting out of the buyout or the trade market. Um, I would love to see uh, Robin Lopez end up here somehow. Big Bob. Um, I think he could actually really help them. Like uh, he's a good positional defender a good rebounder his teams always rebound better when he's on the court um and he just uh you know he's he he's just a solid guy to have around and uh but there's no reason for chicago to keep him having drafted wendell carter yeah uh so yeah maybe maybe they're a candidate for a guy like him but they need somebody right what do you think about this kid svi mikalio cover you say the kid from kansas i saw i saw a video of him just like (laughs) lighting the net on fire today i guess he's a sharpshooter yeah he is he's been a, a sharpshooter his whole uh pretty much his whole career at kansas and the thing too he played four years in college oh wow but i think he's still only 20 or 21 he's a young born in 97 really, yeah he's really young he was i think he was 17 as a freshman wow um but yeah he's, he's been a pretty pretty elite shooter he's a good athlete too um really effective in transition um i i think he can hold his way onto a roster spot. I don't know how much he'll play, but uh, yeah, he definitely has elite shooting potential. Okay. So we, we've talked about various members of the roster, but now um, I mean, we don't really need to talk about LeBron. It, it's just fucking LeBron. Everybody talks about him all the time. Everybody knows LeBron. What I really want to talk about is what's our outlook here. What are we expecting out of this team? Um, I think it could, depending who you ask, where you look, it's vastly different. Um, I don't know if I've seen anywhere say they're going to compete for a championship, but certainly they're expected to make the playoffs to some degree. Um, what do you think, though? Yeah, I think it would be a surprise if they were a championship contender, but um, simply because it would require just such a massive leap forward from all of their young guys, it would require a healthy season from Lonzo, which I'm not sure he's capable of yet. Um, you know, he had some injuries last season. He had surgery over the summer. But you're right. But they have LeBron. That, that's always my counter. And, you know, every team LeBron has been on for the past decade plus has been a championship tent contender merely because of his presence. And 
there's enough raw talent on this team for that to also, you know, for that to become a reality. Um, I don't know if they can defend well enough, and I don't know if the young guys can take a step forward offensively enough uh, for that to happen, but it's not impossible. I think the, the most likely outcome is in the four to six range in the Western Conference, uh, but I think to suggest they'll miss the playoffs is, is just, I think it's crazy. I mean, they have, they have LeBron, and that's, that says enough for me that to at least make me think they'll get a top six seed. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I don't remember. I finally sat down and, or I didn't even sit down. I was literally sitting on the subway, and I, I, this is what I do every year. I just rank the playoffs in both conference without looking at any players or stats or anything, which is just random, and it's not very statistical or academic, but it's just how I do it. Um, that's also how I do all the awards, so I always forget somebody obvious. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course Kawhi should have been Defensive Player of the Year. But I said, Mark is smart. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, no, I'm pretty sure I said Kawhi. But um, it's going to be really interesting as a litmus test between the East and the West because you look at the roster LeBron had last year and what he was able to do with it. And now you come over to the West and it's like, okay, well, this roster is better in terms of the altogether talent, but – How's it going to compare against Western Conference teams, both in the regular season and in the playoffs? If they get, um, you know, a not favorable matchup in the playoffs, if they're the five seed and the, and the team they're playing against has home court advantage, how much is that going to matter? Because till now, it's never mattered against LeBron. In the playoffs, he just turns it on and he can drag his team for the last eight, nine years all the way to the finals. So now in the West, playing what? has always been superior competition is that going to make a difference lebron is the most experienced player on this team by a factor of three whole seasons this to me more than ever is a team that he is the you know i don't even want to say veteran leader i think it's a level above that it's like he's the kareem to everybody else's magic he's he's a level (laughs) above everyone else in a way that i never felt about the Cavs, because i guess some of those guys were just there the whole time he was there and he was still in his prime it's just going to be different this year, and it, it really, I'll say it again, it's just going to be a litmus test for where the league is at, where the conferences are at, how he fares in the West after spending his entire career in the East. Yeah, it is, and I, I think you're right. Where are the, the playoffs is where it, would, it really might matter um, because in the past, even when he's had um, you know, kind of shitty teammates, they've at least mostly or partly been veteran experienced teammates. He's never had a core around him that's been this young and this inexperienced. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see how he is playing with guys like this. Cause yeah, Kyrie was young when he played with LeBron, but Kyrie was already an all-star. Yeah. You know, Kyrie had established himself and none of these guys, Lonzo or Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma, none of these guys have done that yet. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how they accept whatever, you know, mentorship style, leadership style LeBron has. Cause you know, in the past he makes life, he's made, he makes life easier for everybody. Yeah. But, um, he can also be hard to play with. He's incredibly demanding. Um, and if you don't meet his standards, uh, you know, he makes, you know, you, he'll either, he'll freeze you out or you'll just more likely just fall out of the rotation. So that's, that's going to be really interesting and i'm sure at times lebron will want to you know 
maybe favor some of the veterans in the rotation over the youngsters. And I think Luke Walton and, but especially LeBron will have to resist the temptation to, you know, fulfill that urge. It's interesting when he showed up in Cleveland, all the quotes in Sports Illustrated and otherwise were like, it's not going to happen tomorrow. I'm in this for the long haul. We'll see what it takes. I'll be, I'll be willing to do what, what it takes. And it took two years. It, it kind of happened, I guess, by surprise. It, it was an unprecedented situation. Um, so he never really was put in that situation where his patience was truly tested. Um, now it really will be tested to a degree it never has before, like you just said. Yeah. Um, he's not just going to be able to subtweet his way to getting everybody where they need to be because he's dealing with a bunch of 20-year-olds. He's dealing with a bunch of guys who are not emotionally mature. Honestly, I feel the way that, that even Kyrie was, and certainly, like you said, some of the more mature and just older members of the locker room in Cleveland. Um, so it's going to be a lot different for him. He's going to feel a lot more like a dad. Um, yeah. Just looking down, there's so many guys who it's their second year in the league or currently, and this isn't the roster that's going to stand because there's too many guys, but there's six rookies currently signed by the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's not 15 spots. I think it's 18 or 19. But a couple of those guys are going to make it, if not three, maybe four, depending. So yeah. after that, I mean, guys who are definitely going to be in the roster are Lonzo Kuzma and Hart, who are all in their second year in the league, and then Zubac and Ingram are both also going to make it, and they're in their third year in the league. So that's almost half your roster of guys who haven't been playing in the league before 2015. Um, it's it's nuts, and it's way different than anything he's experienced before. Now, real quick, because we got to hit the rest of the teams, but you got to fuck one, marry one, kill one, and do the Dementors kiss to one. Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, and Brandon Ingram. Oh man, that's a that's tough. Can I get can I give the Defenders kiss to Lavar instead of any of those? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, wow. I don't know. I like all. I th- I think they can all be really good. That's the, that's the thing about this team is like, I think it's there's like a very realistic world where all those guys you mentioned turn out to be like really good players. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's at least been flashes and like if everything breaks right, you know, this could be a leap year for Ingram. Um, I think he's, you know, as much as any Lakers player can be, I think he's a little uh, underrated. Um, Just he was he was good in the clutch last season. I mean, he's showing, you know, skill with the ball in his hands and as a passer. Um, I think he can get better as a shooter. He's started finishing well last year. Um, and then after Lonzo got down, when they put the ball in the sands and let him completely run the offense at the end of the season, uh, they played pretty well. Um, so I, I think he and LeBron, you know, LeBron's never had like a wing teammate like Ingram, like this big and this lanky with that type of skills. Um, and I think he could really unlock him. So uh, that's another thing I would look, I would look out for. I just, I just think these young guys can all really, uh, I think there's a universe they could ball out this year and be a really, you know, a really good team. So you're not gonna fuck Mary Killer Dementors kiss any of them? Is that is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I mean, if you're not, it's okay. I just want to know because I, I well, pro- probably I get probably fuck Kuzma because I'm into people with tattoos. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, um. 
marry. I don't know. Lonzo's way too much drama to marry. <laughs> so now you have to kill him or <laughs> Demetrius pro- pro- kiss probably, him. Probably marry Josh Hart just because he seems like a pretty <laughs> no bullshit dude. <laughs> this is not going the way I expected. Okay, continue. <laughs> continue. Who's gonna, who are you going to kill? Then, uh, yeah, Lon- Lonzo's, I guess that means Lonzo's got to go. So, so that means you're going to give Brandon Ingram the assassin, the Dementor's kiss? <laughs> because that's the last two guys, you, the, the, the two clearly best players you chose to either kill or worse than kill, just remove their soul from their body. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. That, all right, there we are. Um, <laughs> no, I think it is a bit of a, a prove-it year for Ingram. You, you, the second you mentioned it, I kind of pulled his stats up and looked a little closer than I had recently. I mean... He did have an impressive stat line last year. He put up 16 points, 5 rebounds, and almost 4 assists. And it's not like that was entirely volume shooting. I mean, overall, just basically like 47% from the field. It's not bad for a guy who's, who's you know, not just putting layups in, who's really taking shots from all around the court. It step further, I mean, he, he shot 39% from 3. Pretty good as well. Yeah. So without getting into all the, like, more in depth true shooting business that that you always like to go to um just on a basic level that shows me that he wasn't just scoring to score he was also taking at a basic level again the right shots because he wasn't taking super low percentage shots or if he was taking low percentage shots for the average player he was skilled enough to put them in at an above average rate so I would look forward yeah, to seeing him play he next did, to uh, for sure. He did take a lot of, like, dumb floaters and, like, you know, off-the-dribble mid-range. To stuff, like, kind of, like, the worst shots, uh, the ones that kind of would drag down his efficiency are ones that he's not going to have – that he won't be allowed to take anymore with LeBron in the house. So I, I think that's another reason to be optimistic about him because I think uh, he's just going to be getting better shots and, you know – if he starts taking bad shots, LeBron isn't going to stand for that. All right, I we got to move on, but I just can't. There's too much here. I got to ask you, man, what do you think we get out of Lance Stevenson on the LA Lakers? Uh, I hope we get. <laughs> is it too like? Is it crazy to say sixth man of the year? Yeah, it is crazy. But uh... yes, it is. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but I'm so glad that's you said un- it. that's unrealistic. But yeah. yeah, just like really great, uh, like two like two way play, solid two way play, you know, shot creation off the bench, and uh, hopefully not blowing in LeBron's ear. Oh, but just imagine how NBA Twitter would just blow up if LeBron sat down on the bench next to Lance Stevenson and he just leaned over and gave him a quick little blow in the air, just a hey, nice job, baby. <laughs> oh jesus all right oh that would be nuts we could have done a whole laker podcast but we don't need to and we don't want to we're gonna talk about the other la team baby the clippers clippers Woo! are coming off of a season where they were above 500 42 and 40 uh they missed the playoffs though also thus far we've gone three teams deep without mentioning any team's head coach for the record the golden state warriors are coached by steve kerr and the L.A. Lakers are coached by Luke Walton, Steve Kerr's former assistant. Um, but the Clippers are coached by Doc Rivers, who, if you ask, uh, Bill Simmons spends more time on the golf course than uh, in the locker room. But Bill Simmons and Doc Rivers had some serious beef back in the day, so I'm not sure that's entirely fair. The Clippers, 
bring back some guys, more guys than you'd expect, even though uh, they lost DeAndre. They still have Danilo Gallinari, who just likes, just fucking gets hurt. Um, they still have Tobias Harris, who was part of the haul from the Blake Griffin trade. And beyond that, I mean, you're talking Pat Bev, Avery Bradley, Marcin Gortat, Lou Williams, pretty good guy to have on your roster. Milos Teodosic coming off some kind of knee injury, if I'm not mistaken. Some kind of injury that was season-ending. Um, and then you got the rookies. Shea, Gilgis, Alexander. They got another one, right? Jerome Robinson of BC, my current hometown. Uh, and the guys they signed, Luke Mba, Mute. And uh, I think that's actually the only guy they signed. Did they sign anybody else? I don't think so. Mike Scott. They're- Mike Scott, yeah. They're so deep, but I don't know how much good it's going to I mean, it'll do them a lot of good, you know, just as guys go down with injuries over the course of the season, but I still don't think they're a playoff team just because they don't have anybody good enough to carry them to that level. No. Um, I don't know, man. I'd be surprised. Uh, or you'd be surprised, I guess. I could see just the depth. Um, and Doc still being a good coach. Cause I think, That's true. I think he is. Um, these guys were kind of frisky at times last year. You know, you don't, you don't get over 500 in the West by accident. And that's with Blake leaving the team halfway through the year. And that's with a really weird roster. And now you add some young, talented guys who want to prove themselves. Now you bring in Avery Bradley, who chose to resign with you. You bring in Luke Mbamute, who chose to go back to L.A. instead of staying in Houston. That's true. You know, it's a lot of ingredients for a team that's going to be really gritty and play really hard and probably grind out some wins that uh, a team that wasn't as involved wouldn't have a chance at. I mean, Wes Johnson, you know, just talk about a guy who plays hard. I think that's the reason he's still in the league. He doesn't do anything spectacularly, but he just shows up and does his fucking job. Lou Williams will win you some games just by the way, you know, he wins you close games just by the way he plays uh, the shots he can make. Absolutely. And the way he can draw fouls. Um, I mean, that's, that's why he won sixth man last year because he, he did that for much of the second half of the season. I can't imagine he'll be that good again because he was, I think he's going to be 32 this year. Um, but even then, Tobias Harris is still really good. Um, Patrick Beverly only played 11 games last year. So if he's back, that's another guy um, who's, you know, just a solid player. Um, although I, I, I think they've got to trade one of their point guards, either Beverly or, or Tay Dosich, because they've got to. Uh, I mean, those, you know, those guys are good enough that they that they deserve to, pl- to play. But I think the Clippers really want to get at least Shea on the floor. They are extremely high on him. I have not seen it enough places how high the Clippers are on Shea Gilgis Alexander how excited they are to have him on the roster. So you are absolutely right. I mean, at some point this season or beyond, um, one of those guys either gets relegated to the bench where the other guy already sits or one of them gets traded and the other guy stays on the bench or the other combination. One goes to the bench, the other gets traded. Because I think more important than them making the playoffs this season is them starting to figure out what they have in SGA to a lesser degree, I mean, I think Jerome Robinson is just a guy they picked. But uh, certainly, th- th- there seems to be something riding on this rookie. Um, 
who was wow. highly touted out of Kentucky, and they put a great deal in making sure they grabbed him. So, I don't know, man. There's just a lot of interesting pieces around there. I mean, Mike Scott can space the floor a bit. Montrez Harrell is still in the league, and at times, he. I mean, I remember talking about some of the best player, players of the best PERs last season, and he was right up there. Like, yeah. he, he does what he does well. So, they've got a lot of, of really high-energy guys. Yeah, I think he'll close games for them. I think Cortal will probably start at center, but Harold will close just uh yeah. I don't know, he's kind of a he's kind of a Kenneth Fareed light type of player. Yep. Um and he's still only twenty four. He he's solid. Um, you know, I do I I put this in the trade machine earlier with uh probably the next team we'll talk about, Phoenix, who desperately needs a point guard. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know you know, what Dragon Bender's future in Phoenix will be now that they've drafted a guy at his position. Um, they could trade Dragon Bender straight up for either Beverly or, or Taya Dosage. Just that's a possibility. Because, wow. I mean, the Clippers kind of need a third center too. Um, you know, they have Boban Marjanovic behind uh, Harrell and uh, Gortat, but uh, Doc seems kind of reluctant to play Boban. So, um, you know, maybe buying low on a former high lottery pick like, like Bender, if Phoenix is willing to part with him, maybe that could be a good roll of the dice if you're LA. If I'm LA, I take that in a heartbeat. The way that they are so, they have a glut of guards right now. Even if you lose yeah. Beverly or Tay Dozich, you still have the other one. You still have Avery Bradley, who's a reliable 30 minutes a game at shooting guard, I guess for 60 minutes a year, 60 games a year because he always gets hurt. But, they also uh, have uh, Cinderius Thornwell, the second-year player who started 17 games last year. Right? He, they brought him back. And he's so, so deeply buried, I couldn't even write him into my depth chart because they had so much depth at guard. They really they have yeah. too many. Something has to give. There's no way this team makes it through the season without a trade. Yeah, yeah, they just they just have to. They, they don't have minutes for these guys, but they're all good enough to play. Yeah, no. So, I mean, obviously they know that, you know, if we can see it from this far away. So maybe they wait to see how guys look in training camp. They give it a couple months. The training, de- the trade deadline, excuse me, gets closer. Some teams get desperate, like you mentioned, Phoenix. I think that Phoenix is shooting a lot higher right now than just Pat Beverly. But um, if things fall through, if the Clippers are patient, and if the Phoenix, if 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 the Phoenix, if the Suns are like, man, we really need to get somebody in here, um, I could see that being a great situation for both sides. Um, I mean, you know, yeah. I'm really high on Dragon Bender. Do, do you want to move on and talk about the Suns and talk about their yeah. need for, for a point guard? Yes. Yeah, I think the price for, I, I agree with you that I think they want someone, you know, you know, either like more in line with, uh, their, their core's age than Pat Beverly or just someone with a little higher potential. Um, but I think the price for that might be, might end up being higher than they want to pay. It's a tough situation for them, and it's something that I, as a huge Celtics fan, have seen before. Like, when you have so many assets, if you're trying to get better, I mean, you've got all these pretty good-looking assets that everyone's going to ask about before you try to get any deal done. So with Phoenix, they've got a decent amount of young guys who are, you know, uh, desirable. Um, You talk about, like, their top three who you'd guess are untouchable. Booker, Aiton, and Jackson. Um, yeah, you got to think Bridges is, is probably untouchable too, considering what right. they traded for. That him. they just they just went out of their way to get him from Philly. 
So really, that's top four. But every time anybody picks up the phone, they're going to say, okay, well, how about Devin Booker? And they'll know that the answer will automatically be no. And probably yeah. with Aiton as well. But then it's like, okay, well, Jackson's the third most important guy in your team. Like, how movable is he to get, like, a starting quality point guard? And then, you know, then they're starting to have some difficult discussions. Yeah, and I don't know if, if it's worth trading a guy like Jackson after only one year, yeah. um, you know, for a guard who you're going to have to pay a lot more money than you're going to have to pay Jackson. Um, and it's, it's just hard for Phoenix because uh, I think it's going to be really difficult for them to acquire a guy who both, you know, makes their roster better and aligns with their age. Um, you know, Terry Rozier is probably the closest guy, but I don't know if, you know, his, his value really came as a defender and a shot creator, you know, kind of for himself. He's not the type of point guard who I think makes his teammates better with his vision and his passing. Um, you know, so, you know, that's why I think a guy like, like one of the Clippers guys would, would fit in Phoenix pretty well because Beverly would defend his ass off, you know, run the show and stay out of the way. Set guys up. Yeah. Set guys up. And, and Teo is an elite passer. Um, so yeah, it's just it, it's. I think Jer- Jeremy Lin would have been great here, um, but you know Atlanta got him. Um, you know it's just hard to see. Uh, it's hard to see who they can get. Like who, who who do you think they'll end up targeting, or who do you think is realistic for them? I would love to see a world where, uh, again, we were such shameless Colorado homers. But if Spencer Dinwiddie could end up on this squad. Then he would be perfect. You know, them. he's got some range. He'd help space out Booker, get him open looks. He doesn't need to score a bunch. He wants to be a point guard who can help his teammates get open looks and just play the game the right way. He's just the first guy that comes to mind for me that's like, you mentioned the age, timing contracts and age and how much you're paying these guys. Um, he would fit in just fine there. Uh, I mean, he's, I don't know what his contract deal is. He might be in the last year of his contract, but you're not going to have to pay him through the moon. But he would yeah, he's making the he's making the minimum right now. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. Take it. Uh, I, besides that, I mean, the, the guy that always comes to mind as, like, a point guard available to make a team much better, people always say Kemba. Um, I don't know if Phoenix is willing to that. take him on and then throw a bunch of money at him, you know? But what do you think? Yeah, that that would be hard because they if you trade for Kemba, you're probably going to have to pay him the max next year, and I don't think that's very prudent for uh, for Phoenix to do. So, yeah, that's that's dicey. Um, I could see them doing it if McDonough thinks he needs to save his job, um, or if Robert Sarver, the owner, um, really starts putting pressure on to make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think that would be, be a very imprudent move. Um, they could probably do it, but he, yeah, I don't think that would bode well for the team's future. It's just hard to think of a fit. I mean, you take the elite guys off the board, Kyrie, Russell, Steph, the obvious guys, and then you get to the next layer, and it's even hard there. I mean, the first guy that comes to mind for me and kind of that next bunching would be Drew Holiday. I mean, we just talked about Kemba, but like New Orleans is moving on from Drew. He's probably the second most important player on their team after Anthony Davis. So now you're talking about players of that caliber. And and like we mentioned at the top of talking about Phoenix, like how much are they going to give up to get 
the point guard that this roster realistically needs. I mean, it's just a tough fit. It's tough to find the right move. That's why you hear them so much in the Jimmy Butler trade talks, like a third team, because they'd love to just throw in a stray asset to fill out some part of a trade and then some guy that needs to get gotten rid of, for lack of better grammar, winds up on Phoenix. And so that, that brings me to Jeff Teague. What does his fit look like if Minnesota uses him as filler in the trade and Phoenix finds themselves as the third team? That could be interesting. You know, I, I like Jeff Teague. Yeah. Um, he's not really like excellent at anything on offense, but he's pretty, he's pretty good at everything. He can shoot threes. Uh, he's above average at shooting threes at, at, you know, I'd say at, at setting up his teammates at finishing at the rim. So he's probably an average to above average defender too. Um, so he's definitely just a really solid point guard. I think he would actually fit pretty well there now that you mention it. Um, but you know, there's again, there's the issue of, of taking on that that money that contract. But um, yeah, that that's why I'd probably still be in favor of getting a cheaper veteran stopgap guy this year, and then you know trying to get a younger point guard you know through the draft or, or somehow um, in the future. Um, cause it's just, it's hard. I think, you know, they do have the two second round point guards. They got Elliot Kobo and Anthony Melton. I think the hope is that either of those get either one of those guys ends up, um, you know, being the answer. Um, but I don't know because even if they are the long-term answer, they probably won't be this year because rookie point guards just aren't that good. So it's, you know, it's kind of a tough path forward for them. Um, you know, there's been rumblings about, you know, maybe Booker just becomes a nominal point guard, but, I don't know if he's quite ready for that, and I don't know if that's the right role for him. Um, you know, considering he's coming back for an injury, I don't know if you want the wear and tear of him having to, you know, handle the ball every single possession. Who is the dude who used to tie his shoelaces around the back of his shoes? I have no to, idea. Who used to eat that's... burgers in the off season? The the old ass guard that played for the Nuggets for a while. Andre Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about they just signed <laughs> Andre Miller? Yeah. The guy whose off-season training regimen was eating hot hamburgers and hot dogs. There it is. Yeah, and never went out. Yeah. Let's just let's just and, throw Dre on the Suns. And somehow started, you know, had the at one point had the record for most consecutive games started. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, why not? He's the Bartolo Colon of the NBA. Fuck it. Um, yeah, he could probably still come out here and 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 play, which is the ridiculous part. Yeah, no, dude. I mean, you're at the end of the day. Like, I we're looking for a stopgap here. We're not looking for a permanent solution. I think it could be Jeff Teague. I think it could be someone else of a lower caliber than Jeff Teague, and maybe Jeff Teague is a lower caliber than we assume he is because he had some good years with Atlanta. Because hey, what the fuck is Minnesota anyway? It's barely a playoff team, and they're about to lose their best player. So I, I think he's become a little underrated. You know, he was he was their best player in their playoff series against uh, Houston. And it says as much about his teammates as it does about him, um, but he still played really well. Um, I, you know, he can he could help them um, on the court, but I don't know if you know. But Phoenix has more factors to consider than that. Real quick, where are you at with Carl right now? Carl just signed a huge extension, but uh, clearly his teammates don't have full faith in him because Jimmy can't wait to bail. Yeah, I mean. That one's hard to hard to parse out because I think the extension's a no brainer. He's that good. He he's absolutely worth it. Um, 
and you know, if you have to pick between Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, you pick Towns. Yeah. Um, you know, even though Butler's a much better player right now. Um, and, you know, I, when you look at it from Jimmy Butler's perspective, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is this young kid who's always been the best player, always been number one. He's a projected, you know, he's a top recruit out of high school, the number one pick in the draft, whereas Jimmy Butler was homeless in high school. He played at a junior college. Yeah. He was the last pick of the first round. He was never supposed to be a superstar, and yet he became one because he's literally probably the hardest working guy in the NBA. Not that every NBA player doesn't work their ass off, but you know, Jimmy Butler just has a crazy competitiveness and work ethic, you know, beyond what most professional athletes do. So it's easy for me to see him looking at, at Carl Anthony Towns and thinking, you know, I worked my ass off to get here. This guy has had things handed to him and he hasn't earned it. Um, so, you know, I can see them clashing like that. I can also see, you know, Towns not liking that attitude if if that's how Jimmy Butler felt, you know. That's that's natural too. So for me it's kinda easy to see why they would clash. But uh, you know, Towns is just an elite offensive player with uh defensive upside and paying him that paying him that much money is no brain is a no brainer. It's just uh <laughs> it's a shame they had to lock up Wiggins too, because I just don't think he's good. No, they're going to have to figure something out with Wiggins. I mean, it, the unfortunate thing especially is now with Jimmy hitting the road, wherever he ends up, um, you're kind of hitching your wagon to Wiggins even more because you lost yeah. the other wing that you could have gone with instead. But now it's like we have Carl and Andrew. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. You know, we, we talked when we previewed the Northwest about how they could Minnesota could implode, and it's happened. It just happened a lot more quickly than we thought it would, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think with Jimmy Butler gone, I don't think they're a playoff team unless Andrew Wiggins suddenly turns into Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd love, but I'm also laughing at the idea of. Exactly. Um, so. Anyway, all right. It looks like we're down to our last team, T-Bone, and that would be none other than... Perhaps the team that has no playoff chance, but we've talked about the most on the Association NBA podcast, the Sacramento Kings. Ladies and gentlemen, the Sacramento Kings come off of a 27-55 and 55 record in which they were 31 games behind the division-leading Golden State Warriors. I've never mentioned that for any team before. In fact, the Phoenix Suns were further behind the Golden State Warriors. It's just fun to... Uh, Place Sacramento in a position of futility because they've been there for so long, but they're worth talking about. Um, there's, there's, you know, some stuff going on. Sacramento, they grab Marvin Bagley, so that's another guy to just toss in their front court. Um, I mean, besides that, though, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're we're into year two of De'Aaron Fox, and Willie Cauley Stein still on the team. And Buddy Heald is also on the team, and he was actually a pretty good return for DeMarcus Cousins, all things considered. So, T-Bone, where would you like to focus your attention with regards to the Sacramento Kings? First, how surprised were you uh, during your research when you realized that Zach Randolph led this team in scoring last year? 
I was surprised when I saw that Zach Randolph has the highest salary on this team. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so he better lead the team in scoring, but yeah, that's fucking nuts. I can't believe De'Aaron Fox didn't put in more buckets than Zach fucking Randolph. Yeah, he led Zebo led the Sacramento Kings in scoring with 14.5 points per game. It's a, it's, so, a be- it's a beautiful thing there, that is. I, I, I can't believe he's even still got a spot in the league in his 18th season, but here we are with Zach Randolph still stealing minutes in the front court from young players who it should be very important for the Sacramento Kings to figure out whether they would like to keep them and pay them a lot of money or not, but apparently it's more important to just put Zach Randolph out there to get buckets in an extremely inefficient manner so that the team can look less embarrassing in their new arena when they're still not going to make the playoffs in the ridiculously competitive West. So here we are. Hopefully that won't be the case this year because, uh, as you said earlier, they have way too many guys who are centers only that need to get playing time um, for Zebo to be getting uh, the type of minutes he got last year. I mean, I think, you know, Bagley will probably play power forward, but I think his best position will end up being center. Um, I, you know, they've got, uh, Willie Colley Stein and Skull with BCR who both deserve minutes. Uh, Harry Giles, they picked in the first round last year and is just now Should healthy. Play center. And, yeah. Yeah. Who they apparently love. Um, so yeah, they, they really have a log jam. Oh, they also have Costa Kufus who I think could also still help a team. Maybe he's, a, maybe he's another Lakers candidate. Um, but it's, it's ridiculous how many bigs they have. And the, the, the problem with, with all this is that as much as I love De'Aaron Fox as a long-term prospect, I still don't think he's good enough um, to really make it easy for these guys to develop, you know, or make it – or to not good enough to help make these guys look good. Um, so I think it might be tough, uh, you know, for Giles and uh, Skull and Kali Stein. Um, Bagley I think will be fine, though. I think he's skilled enough with the ball in his hands, he can do so much. He's athletic enough um, that it wouldn't shock me if he was 2010 out the gate. That'd be great. Um, That's always the silver lining slash half blessing, half curse with guys who are just talented and NBA ready going to bad teams that they're going to get the opportunity to immediately perform and put up stats and be a central component of their team. But at the same time, you want him to be playing the right way and you don't want him to get used to one thing when if they get competitive, he's going to have to do something different. So that'll be tough, but it's it's exciting to think that we're going to see what Bagley has to offer out the gate because he was such a high pick. And, uh, you know, presumably he's got a lot to offer to the NBA game off the bat. You know, you talk about all the guys who are center only, but, I mean, you even get to one of the guys they signed in the offseason, Nemanja Bielica. He's 6'10". Wow. Yeah, he's he's a 4-2. So he can only play power forward. I mean, what are you going to do? Play three or four, six, ten guys at a time? Like, there's just too many guys for minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, and they have, you know, some players who deserve time. Like, I think Bogdan Bogdanovich probably deserves time at the three. Um, yeah. You know, because I love, I love the, the idea, the trio of, of Fox and Buddy Heald and Bogdanovich. Um, you know, those are some guys I like. Buddy Heald has turned himself into an elite shooter. Yeah. Shot 43% last year. Yeah. Um, he kind of reminds me, honestly, of J.J. Redick a little bit. 
Um, nice. Just not, he was he's an undersized, uh, you know, two guard who was the op- number one offensive option in college. Um, couldn't be that in the NBA just because of their limited physicality. Um, and took some time molding themselves into an elite uh, three point shooter. I mean, Heald was, you know, shooting in all kinds of uh, situations, you know, off of screens, off the uh, spot ups, um, you know, and with a lot of hands in his face. He has kind of a slow release, but he can get it off and make it with, when it's contested. So uh, I really like him. And Bogdanovich has some nice, uh, you know, he can shoot too, he can, he can make plays, he has some nice athleticism. Um, so it's not that it's not that there's you know nothing here, it's just that you don't really know how any of these guys fit together. They have way too many uh, bigs. I I don't know if Dave Yeager is the right coach to develop young players, and even if you were, I don't trust anything that ownership or the front office does with this team. So as much as I like all of these pieces, I still don't see any of it coalescing into a, a bright future. No, there, there's still some work to do. There's still some churn for this roster before it gets anywhere near a team that could sniff the playoffs. But you're right that Buddy has turned himself into a legit sharpshooter, and that's great for De'Aaron Fox. It's great, honestly, for this roster and this team this coming year because you take him, you take Bogdanovich, you take Bielitsa, whoever you want to put at the five, hopefully Bagley, and then you put Fox there. That's probably your crunch time five, and that's pretty. It's a pretty high scoring unit. It's a pretty efficient unit on offense. So, it's still gonna make for some fascinating basketball. They'll probably be a league pass team, in spite of the fact that, um, you know, Jaeger's a good coach. He knows what the fuck he's doing. But because of the roster that he's been given, he's gonna put together some, some what the fuck units. Some <laughs> some some honestly, five guys on the court that just look weird and play badly and shouldn't be there, but. It's the hand he's been dealt. He's got a bunch of point guards and a bunch of centers and almost nothing in between. Yeah. And, I mean, last year, really, it's just it's just hard for them to be worse than they were last year. They were 29th in offense and 28th in defense. Um, and they actually had the win expectance, the point differential of a 23-win team. They won four more games than their uh, expected point differential, pretty much solely thanks to De'Aaron Fox hitting some buzzer beaters. Yeah, yeah. just being clutched, um, yeah. But, so when you when you look at all that, it's hard to imagine them being worse, especially after adding Bagley, a guy who's at least going to put up numbers right away. Um, you know, I think he, I think his presence alone will make their offense at least a little bit better, um, just because they'll finally have someone who can at least create their own shot, um, which they just, they just didn't have. Uh, after they traded Boogie. So I think, you know, I, I I don't see them getting any better defensively, but I think offensively they could climb into, I don't know, 25th maybe. Um, but they're still going to be really bad, and they're just – they're a long way from anything approaching competent. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of work still to be done. Um, by the way – Going back to Phoenix for a second, did you see who they signed to their two-way contract spot? No, who? George King. Really? Yeah. That's good for him. Yeah, it was cool to see that he, he quote-unquote, made a roster. But um, we'll see. Um, anyway, wrapping up, the last thing we'll touch real quick is the Jimmy Butler trade. Um, the last we've heard is that Miami is the likely destination. 
do you think Miami gives up Dragic to land Butler? I think that would be a mistake because then they wouldn't have a point guard. And I don't think just adding Jimmy Butler to that roster minus Dragic makes them a contender to even win the East. I mean, if there's a way to... I mean, if there's a way to get Butler without giving up uh, Dragic, I think you do that because they could play off each other pretty well. Um, <laughs> he also got to think, I don't know how real this is, but uh, there he did have an Insta- Instagram beef with Dwayne Wade uh, recently where uh, <laughs> he commented on an Instagram picture of Gabrielle Union, Dwayne Wade's wife. It was like, you know, apparently a picture where she looked really nice and Jimmy wrote, well, damn, in all caps. Dwayne Wade responded, you know, like something about, like, ever well damn my wife again. You know, I'm going to show you the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Ew. Whoa. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know how real that is, but I believe that there's, you know, a lot of uh, team chemistry issues in the NBA go back to women. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if <laughs> you might have to cut – Wade's retirement tour a little bit short if you, if you bring in Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Sorry, Dwayne. Yeah, man, we'll see. It's uh, uh, it's interesting that Jimmy busts out the Miami's my preferred destination because yeah. he threw out I, all the destinations and Brooklyn seemed like a decent fit. And I don't know. I think it, Houston can maybe make it work, like Eric Gordon and Marquise Chris, maybe something like that. That's what I was going to ask. Are you, are you willing to move on from Eric Gordon? Um, the answer has got to be yes, right? Even though he's such you get a Jimmy good Butler, asset. yeah, yeah. Um, Even though Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon's still really, really good, but and, and he's such a clutch, like just getting those bench differentials up, you know, giving the yeah. starting lineup a cushion just because Eric Gordon was out there torching the other team's bench. Although the word out of uh, Rockets media day was that Gordon is going to start at the three. This uh, going into the regular season. I mean, in that case, I'd rather have Butler starting at three, so that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, but I guess uh, it's like kind of either him or uh, I don't know. I would probably do James Ennis. Or like, to be honest. yeah, I was but, about to say uh, James Ennis or fucking MCW. That's for that's for the Southwest Division podcast. <laughs> yeah, we will save it. Um, on that note, I mean, we did it. We covered the Pacific. Um, we did. We'll wrap this shit up because, as usual, we're over an hour and 10 minutes. Um, any final thoughts, T-Bone? Anything you need to get out about the Pacific Division? Man, I, th- I think we did it. I, You know, if, if there's any uh, opaque or obscure storyline that we didn't cover, then uh, I'm shocked. Then it deserves to be opaque and uncovered. That's what I have exactly. For now, um, we at the Association NBA Podcast say, please subscribe. Um, if you need to rate us, go ahead. If you don't, that's fine too. But uh, give us a listen. We'll have plenty to say in the coming NBA season, which is not that far away. We got a couple, no. we got a few more previews left for you, or a couple, I guess. Um, and we'll have all kinds of good content coming as the season begins. So uh, with that, again, I'm Sam Ruth here. That's Tommy Wood. Uh, music by the Woolly Mammoths, the band of which I'm a part of, and I play cowbell for. Uh, Tommy, throw us some last words before we sign off, pal. Season can't start soon enough. It can't. I cannot wait for those preseason games to begin, and we will have plenty to talk about, and I'm guessing the next time we talk, Jimmy Butler will probably be on a new team, so here's to hoping it's a decent fit, and uh, maybe they can offload Wiggins, too. Good luck, Jimmy.
Good luck, Jimmy. Let's let's find you a good home now. For now, thank you folks for listening. And uh, until next time, this has been the Association NBA Podcast.